Welcome to Business Talk Sister Gok. I'm Becca, and today's podcast episode title is What is a Private Equity Fund? And with me today, I have Drew Linderman, and I am super excited to have him here with me because he knows a lot about this. Thanks so much for being with me. Thanks for having me, Becca. It's good oh, to be here. I am like really looking forward to everything about this. So Drew, you have a ton of experience with private equity and, and tell me what you do. Like, what's your job? Uh, currently, I am the director of growth for Destination Pet. Um, so there's quite a few uh, aspects to that. And the job has kind of evolved over time. But I've spent a lot of time creating business plans, whether that be for a startup or even just a renovation, basically any kind of uh, big growth CapEx project. Um, and then I take that and put it in front of our investment committee, which is our, our private equity board, uh, for approval. Okay, so first, what is Destination Pet? Destination Pet is a pet care company. Uh, started in June of 2017 with five, a round of five acquisitions, which I was actually a, a part of. I was a general manager at th the, the third and fourth acquisition. Okay. Uh, and they're now over a hundred locations uh, as of the last two or three months. Wow, that's a lot. Yes, uh, it is split between pet care and vet. Okay. Uh, but it's basically an approach of um, holistic pet care and keeping that all under one roof to the best of our ability. Hmm. Okay, so before we move on further, there was another a buzzword that you used that I didn't know if most of my listeners know, and more me, quite honestly. <laughs> what is a CapEx project? So capital expenditure, the way I look at this is you're, you're creating value in your business rather than just an expense, which is going to be a liability. So this is the conversation. There's kind of like asset versus liability. Um, if you're, say, in my industry, if you're adding 30... Um, kennels to your boarding capacity. So you have the ability to service more customers. Um, that equipment, assuming it is going to be number one, a large investment, uh, number two, more of like a long-term mm -hmm. investment as, as it does not immediately lose its value, then that actually goes into the value of the business. So it's, it's not as simple as saying, oh no, I'm spending say $30,000 on kennels. It's like I am, but I am also adding value to my business while increasing my ability to make more revenue. Mm. Well, that is why we're talking today because right now, like this whole series that I've been trying to do is the worth of a business. And so this is a perfect tie into that. And uh, if you missed the previous episodes in this series, how much is the business worth? What is a business valuation and how to prepare your business for investors? You should go back and listen to those. They're the first three episodes right before this one. Um, and yeah, I'm super excited to get into this. So what do private equity funds actually do? Uh, typically, they are investing in companies. Um, the structure of that can look very different as far as actually involved, actual involvement in daily operations, things like that. Uh, typically, they are they're lending money for a fee or profit share or equity in the business. Um, in which case, you know, if if a private equity fund invests in equity, they're probably going to want to be involved in some daily operations that that agreement might have some structure to make sure that they have say in decision making, things like that, as opposed to really just be like very hands off investing. Okay. 
private, let me, let me just reiterate what I think it is. There's a, a group of somehow a pool of money gets together. And then there's people that use that money to buy equity stake or partial ownership, or maybe even full ownership in other businesses that are, that have value. Yes. Correct. Okay. Um, okay. I also, for, for simplification, the way I look at the, the term private equity is it's, it's you're borrowing money from something other than a bank. Oh, okay. Um, which, which gives them a little bit more flexibility in how they can structure loans. Interesting. So do what kind of, yeah, what, what kind of people approach private equity or does private equity funds approach businesses? How does that usually shake up where people get connected? Um, I think it definitely works both ways. Uh, I think more than not in my experience, it is a individual or individuals uh, putting a solid business plan together, getting everything, kind of getting their ducks in a row and understanding uh, or really just being able to paint the picture of the business they're trying to build and taking that to private equity that is interested in often that industry. Um, Mm. And that is part of the way that I, I think private equity groups try and mitigate risk around their investments is typically they have experienced themselves or someone with a lot of experience in that industry so mm. that they can actually they can actually add resources and growth for that company rather than just capital. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I never knew that. So what kind of business structure are private equity funds set up as? Are they technically a business or are there specific filings that need to be laid out before starting? Uh, don't have a ton of experience with actually setting them up. I know that they're typically a, a partnership agreement. Okay. Um, uh, and typically you have like partners investing capital and, and being very hands-off within the fund. And then okay. you have partners that are very hands-on with the investments. So it's kind of like, the operations or operator of the fund as opposed to just the funding of it. Okay. So in, in my understanding of that, you have some individuals maybe that are pretty wealthy that say, I'm going to put my money into this pool and I'm going to put a certain number of people in charge of investing it on my behalf and making sure that I get a good return on investment. Correct. Okay. It's like if two wealthy individuals say, Hey, we really like pet care we would like to start a a pet care fund, but they would still be looking for that operating experience or someone with really great specific industry knowledge to to kind of guide the ship a little bit. Interesting. Okay. So how do they, how do private equity funds make money then? Uh, Several ways, either fees, which is like simple as, uh, you know, traditional banking is, Hey, we'll give you this money and we're going to take payments and here's the additional um, fee you're going to pay us. And so there's profit there for them. Uh, part of that could be structured as profit share. So a company makes X number of dollars and any X number of dollars in profit, and they might get 2% of that. Um, however, the deal structured. Uh, hmm. And then the third and probably biggest is uh, liquidating that asset. So if they have ownership and they decide to sell that company, mm-hmm. then they will have, they're looking at the return of where did it start? We invested say a hundred thousand dollars. We're exiting it, say $300,000. Okay. This was great. Mm-hmm. Depending on time. And, and the, um, 
the calculation that my private equity, the, the private equity we're answering to uses is called IRR. It's internal rate of return, okay. which it's, it's cool because it actually measures time and money. So you can measure a time frame instead of just with an ROI, you're looking more of, and when I say ROI, return on investment, it's just measuring the money and you can look for like a break-even period of, you know, I'll stick to my industry of if I have five kennels and they cost this much, how many nights do they need to be full at, the, at this price for me to break even mm. as opposed to I could actually tell you what the percentage of return on that money could be over five years, which I think is a really cool tool, especially if you're putting something in front of private equity and you can kind of say it's a five-year return and that's the period you're measuring. You can really break it down within those five years and explain how you're going to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think when it comes to getting private equity to invest, yes, they're investing in the financial package you're putting in front of you, of them, but they're investing in you and, and your experience, your ability to, to talk through where those numbers are coming from and painting that picture. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like the better you paint that picture, um, the more likely you are to find uh, a private equity that's interested in investing. Yeah, no. And then, and next week we're going to get into this because Drew's going to be back with me on how do private equity funds look for acquisitions specifically. So I'm really excited about getting into the the nuts and bolts of that. So what kind of experience, like, and what kind of person typically starts a private equity fund and what previous experiences would be helpful? Um, Industry, I think, looking at an industry that they enjoy. Um, I, I would always say when it comes to business, if you're, if you're thinking about investing, it needs to be something that you are passionate about that you don't mm-hmm. just see an ability to make money. <laughs> um, as far as skill set goes, uh, there definitely needs to be some fairly intimate financial knowledge uh, to understand general accounting, um, uh, how, uh, how and, and where these numbers are coming from if if you're going to be looking at it from an investor side. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, looking to, I would also say looking to build a team, someone who is people oriented. Uh, it is very hard to have all the skill sets you would need to drive a private equity fund um, efficiently, let's say. Okay. So you need other people to support you in that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And how do private equity funds operate on a day-to-day level? What does that look like? Uh, I think it looks differently depending on the size of the fund um, and how busy they may be as far as involvement with their investments. Um, In my experience, which is a very large fund and across a very big company, uh, it is really just reviewing, um, reviewing presentations put together uh, for CapEx projects, any anything um, over uh, a certain budget that goes goes to the board, they review it for approval. So it's mainly pulling very high-level information, very high-level financial information, along with some backstory and being able to ask questions surrounding that and ultimately approving that in a, the, in our instance, it's typically 24 to 48 hours. So it's it's typically spent at a very high level and not a ton of time. 
Uh, so again, if you're on the investor side, it's very important that you invest in people that you can trust to, to deliver things on time and correctly so that the data that you're getting is accurate. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just going to try to like give an example of what I think you're talking about. So let's say the private equity fund, um, and, and you're in the pet industry. So like you have invested in say a doggy daycare and they say, Hey, we want to make this big purchase on buying the lot next door to have more space for the dogs to run around. They're the ones putting together their entire packaging proposal of what it's going to cost. And then they're submitting it to you all at the equity fund, because you're maybe a majority stakeholder that needs to weigh in before they go out and spend additional money. Would that be kind of the decisions you're talking about? Uh, yes. And so I'm actually uh, getting feedback from local teams, putting that package together. My leadership team, whether it be CEO, CFO, uh, presents that to the investment committee, which is our, our board. Okay. Yeah. So when you are doing this, like what's, what's the best way to learn about how private equity funds work? What was helpful for you? Um, I would say experience. Uh, I did do some online classes, which were super helpful for me to understand uh, general accounting and some of the financial side. Uh, that was definitely not my um, I, I grew up as an operator. I was a general manager. I kind of worked my way up through that ranks. So all of that was uh, scary for me a few years ago, let's say. Um, but it was really just being immersed in it and understanding, um, you know, demystifying it is what it really was, is, is learning that there's lots of words um, for lots of, of financial things that all actually mean the same thing. So people get lost mm -hmm. in translation and get, and get intimidated. Meanwhile, it's just like the general concepts of understanding where the money's going, where it's coming from. Um, and it's just really getting the big picture down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it kind of, to me, sounds like you have to have a good, strong foundation of numbers, but not so strong that you can't see past them to like the strategy and potential of like what you know is available within the market. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And absolutely. If I'm on the investor side, I want someone who's going to be able to speak to the operations of the business, actually much more so than the financial side. You're mm -hmm. looking for like some financial understanding, of course, but if they are going to run an efficient business, then it gives me a, a lot warmer feelings about investing than just really awesome um, financial knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and in my experience with seeing a ton of acquisitions, I have seen a, quite a few uh, small business owners that were getting by on very, very good operations and not a, a lot of high level, um, high level business knowledge and were still very successful. Yeah, because they basically knew how to treat their customers well and do it right, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah. Business business is people. And if you start looking from the numbers backwards, it, it mm -hmm. can get very it can get very dangerous. You you definitely have to understand why why the numbers are the way they are and how to move them in in ways that is completely connected to staff and people. Yeah. So have you seen any like changes in the industry as, as time has progressed in being within pet care and then also private equity funds? Um, I, I have, uh, I've definitely seen the industry grow um, very consistently. Mm -hmm. um, when, 
in 2020, I definitely saw, when it comes to my experience with our private equity, we definitely slowed down on things. And I think that was across the board is um, people got nervous about what to invest in and when. And I, I, we have returned to let's, let's call it um, full swing. Okay. So it's, you know, back to acquiring, nothing really slowed down, still looking at pl- plenty of projects moving forward. So it seems like it's returned to normal. Um, but my experience has been pretty limited to pet care as well. Okay. Yeah. So are there any big things in the future that you think could affect how private equity funds operate? Um, nothing immediately comes to mind. Barring big economic impacts would be that that would be the first thing is, mm-hmm. you know, housing market, housing market changing, um, interest rates, things like that. As far as what and how much uh, private equity is willing to invest, you know, we, we could see some industry shifts with where energy is going and things like that. Um, so that could definitely change where some of that private equity money is growing or going, excuse me. Um, but outside of that, I, I think that things have pretty much returned to normal from what I've seen. Yeah. Okay. So what resources have you found? Were there any like specific books that you would recommend or videos, newsletters, industry knowledge that's been, Hey, you should check these things out because they'll, they'll keep you in the loop on what's happening. Um, yes, I have. So wallstreetprep.com is actually the online courses I took as far as if you're just trying to, to build some more foundation, um, Mm, when it comes to financial knowledge, it's been super helpful. Um, but I will also say that, you know, experience, experience is the best teacher. So if you can find a mentor that is willing to involve you in, in some day-to-day stuff, uh, I was lucky enough to have um, Destination Pets original CEO uh, kind of take me under his wing and taught me a lot. And he's actually the one who put me through some of these courses. And it was super helpful to be pushed out of my comfort zone into that, that financial deep water, let's call it. Uh, and so that was big for me. Um, as far as websites that there is one that I do actually keep up with quite often and it's called trends.com. Okay. Uh, it's, it's basically just constantly giving business trends. Uh, they rake the internet for data and give you what industries are growing, just general knowledge that I feel like it's, it's great for people to see, because like I said, if, if you're ever thinking about starting in a, a business and actually looking for private equity and you know, invest in you, like you need to be passionate about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so looking through trends of things and all of a sudden something, it, it's a good, a good spot to put yourself in where something might click, where you're like, oh, this is a growing industry that I never actually thought that maybe I could find a way to be involved with. And those are kind of like the key things that I feel like is important. It's, you know, I spent a very long time thinking like, oh, what do I want to be doing? Meanwhile, when the knowledge kind of all came together, it was like, oh, okay, now it all makes sense. And in order to do that, you kind of have to put yourself in a good situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's really helpful information. Thank you for sharing. Um, well, I, I do want to know where can people find you? Um, my website that I will be moving into consulting, uh, it's uh, mainly pet care, but not pet care specific, uh, will be consultthepack.com. Okay. Uh, and you can also find me at packpetcare.com. Uh, I am starting a 
pet care consulting and innovations company uh, with four business partners. Uh, our first product is a commercial collapsible dog den. Uh, it's mm. it's revolution it's revolutionary in the industry because it actually clips in and out of the wall uh, on some basic unistrut, so it makes it very easy uh, to move around and kind of like gives your your business the ability to flex certain space. So, for example, if you do training in a big space that you would love to have some extra boarding capacity for holidays. Mm-hmm. It's an easy fix because they fold back down to eight inches. So you can still use the space during the day, or you can actually take the clip them off the wall and put them in storage. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about that. And you showed, or I think one of your business partners showed me a video of that recently. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. (laughs) So I'm really excited to share that as well. When you guys are ready to get out the door with your uh, new venture. That's awesome. Yeah, we are very close and very excited. Yeah. So I'm going to transition now to the gawk portion of this episode, which I am really looking forward to because uh, you are a dog person. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, from what I understand, you have worked with thousands of dogs and you have one named Sam. Is that right? That you had met in your pet industry journey? Yes. Sam was a King Charles. And uh, Sam had a frog that absolutely never left his mouth. He carried it everywhere with him like it was his baby. Um, It was very unique. Again, I've seen thousands of dogs and I've never seen one that attached to something. And it it was just an adorable story that I wanted to share. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so with the boarding side of it, you were, you were saying too, that like, you know, there's like certain animals or certain dogs that like just have different things that they've learned to do or personalities and stuff. What's one interesting one about, um, some dogs that, you know, uh, yeah, we had, um, a couple of Shih Tzus, their names were Thelma and Louise and I'll That's never forget the very... first time they came. <laughs> yeah, I know. Love it. Old person um, names. <laughs> dog, dog, dog names are a whole nother, uh, a whole yeah. nother funny topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the first time they came in, Uh, When we would intake clients, we would do an inventory of all their things. Um, So we're typically doing that in the lobby, uh, making sure we had everything what we needed. And I'm going through the bag and there's a hamster feeder in it. So uh, of course I pull it out and kind of look at the owner and she was like, oh yeah, that's how they drink water. We can't always get them to drink water out of the bowl. So we use a hamster feeder. Um, So (laughs) needless to say, I, it's, at what, 6.30 in the morning and around 5.30 at night, I watered Thelma and Louise. <laughs> and, and that happened, I couldn't tell you how many times. They became regulars and were actually super sweet dogs. It was just they, out of the thousands I've met, that was the only hamster feeder. <laughs> yeah, that's an int- I wonder like the training process for that entire thing. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We have we have notes outside of the um, the the runs, 
And that one had, had all kinds of stuff written on it because that is definitely not one one that somebody was used to. It's like use the hamster feeder. It's like C manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to get together next week. And um, if you missed this uh, episode series before this, so far we're on number four. So go back and listen to the previous three. And if you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to it on Apple podcasts and give it a review and I'll see you next week.